Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane on Friday, September the 19th. Welcome. Good morning, everybody. My name is Richard Gordon from the Lancet. You're here at an on-the-record press briefing to give the latest long-term results of the Oracle Children's Study. Our main speaker is Sarah Kenyon, who's been the principal investigator on this study. One in eight babies in the UK are born prematurely, and field born prematurely is the leading cause of death in the first month of life. The consequences of prematurity are a major public health challenge, with increased risk of disability and those without disability having both behavioural and educational difficulties. The Lancet's editor, Dr Richard Horton, and Dr Sarah Kenyon, principal investigator of the Oracle Studies, at a press conference earlier this week. The Oracle Study follow-up, published online this week, provide important information to doctors and pregnant women concerning the appropriate use of antibiotics around childbirth, specifically in relation to preterm birth. More details from a special web focus here on thelancet.com. In a moment, we'll be discussing the use of paracetamol use in infancy and the risk of asthma in childhood, because this issue of The Lancet, dated September the 20th to the 26th, is a themed asthma issue. This issue will be showcased at the upcoming European Respiratory Society meeting taking place in Berlin, Germany, early next month. Rather than trying to summarise the key content from this asthma issue, I urge you to read the long editorial, which, apart from summarising the main content in this week's issue, restates our position from two years ago, where we urged that asthma be redefined as a syndrome, not as a single disease entity. So the first research article in this week's issue looks at the use of paracetamol in early infancy and subsequent risk of asthma in childhood. Here's the principal investigator of the Isaac III study, Professor Richard Beasley, Professor Richard Beasley, it's great to have you on the line from Wellington in New Zealand. Thanks very much indeed for talking to The Lancet. You're one of the authors of an important study in the September the 20th to 26th issue of The Lancet. This is our asthma issue, I should say. This issue is going to the European Respiratory Meeting that's taking place at the beginning of October. This article in particular is a large piece of epidemiology called the Isaac III, part of the Isaac programme. Can you start off by telling us what Isaac is? Yes, Isaac is a very large international epidemiology study of childhood asthma that also looks at other allergic diseases, including rhinoconjunctivitis, which is hay fever, and eczema. And the study's been going for about 20 years now, and it was set up to determine, using standardised measures, the prevalence of asthma, to look at the trends over time, but most importantly, to look at the role of causative factors that might be influencing the risk of asthma. One of the main philosophies on which it was based was that If we could use simple standardised questionnaires, we might be able to attract centres of considerable interest who wouldn't have the resources to undertake a more detailed investigation. And I think in some respects this has been one of the strengths of ISAC because it means we've had very wide participation worldwide so that in phase three of the study we have over 200 centres with almost 100 countries contributing a million people to the study. Which part of ISAAC is this current study relating to? Well, this is the third part of ISAAC, which is actually built on the two previous phases. So the first phase of ISAAC was a simple international prevalence survey where we looked at the prevalence of asthma and these other allergic conditions in children in about 50 countries. That was followed on by phase two, which is a far more intensive study of the causation of asthma in far smaller groups of children. And that really formed the basis to phase three, which was a repeat of phase one in terms of looking at trends of asthma prevalence. Because we had more centres, it also meant we could have a, a more complete worldwide picture of asthma, 
But I think most importantly, unlike phase one, we were able to obtain risk factor data at an, at an individual level. And previously we'd had to rely on centre or country level data for risk factors, but now we actually had, for the first time, individual risk factor level. And that allowed us to look at certain hypotheses, for example, the association between paracetamol use and symptoms of asthma, as, as we've done in this survey. And before we've got to the point where we are now, Isaac, phase three, what evidence has there been in the literature up until now associating paracetamol use in infancy and early childhood with later asthma? Well, this is actually quite an interesting story because the hypothesis was first proposed about 10 years ago by a group of American doctors, and they suggested that the change from aspirin to paracetamol in the 1980s, which was a widespread phenomenon due to concerns about the safety of aspirin in children, and they proposed this could be causing an increase in the prevalence of asthma in childhood. And they really put up a hypothesis paper that suggested some mechanisms, some immunological mechanisms, by which this might occur. Since this time, various groups have actually taken an epidemiological approach to, to examine this hypothesis. It would be fair to say that the studies haven't really received much attention and have not really been put together in terms of an overall picture. But when you do so, there actually is some consistency in terms of the evidence that suggests that this is a real possibility and it was for that reason that we looked at paracetamol in phase three of the Isaac study. And if we just piece some of that evidence together, there are now four studies that have shown that there's an association between paracetamol being taken by a mother during pregnancy and an increased risk of asthma in the infant and then in later childhood. There's been a number of studies in children finding a similar association in terms of the child being given paracetamol and subsequently being at a associated with a high risk of asthma. There's actually one randomized controlled trial in children with asthma showing that if you took paracetamol, you were twice as likely to end up in hospital with the febrile illness than if you took ibuprofen, which is a drug similar to aspirin. You couldn't tell from the study whether the ibuprofen was reducing the risk or paracetamol was increasing the risk. But what was certainly evident, there was a difference between the two treatments. There have been a number of studies, epidemiological studies, in adults from very diverse populations uh, from, say, the United Kingdom and another study from Ethiopia, quite consistent in their findings of an increased risk of asthma associated with paracetamol use and a dose-response relationship in that the more paracetamol you used, not only the greater risk of asthma, but the greater risk of severe asthma. And there was a quite famous study in America called the United States Nurses' Health Study where they looked at nurses over a prolonged period of time, many years, and they found that those who took paracetamol frequently were more likely to develop asthma for the first time. So there are studies suggesting that paracetamol might increase the risk of developing asthma or increasing the severity of asthma. There are some ecological analyses where there's a correlation between paracetamol consumption at a national level and the prevalence of asthma at a national level. And that was quite interesting because it's one of the few hypotheses that might explain why asthma is more common in Western English-speaking countries that have far heavier use of paracetamol than other Western countries. And then, sort of finally, there are the time trends uh, where there's been a very progressive uh, increase in paracetamol use over the last 30 to 40 years. At the same time, asthma prevalence has gone up during that period. And, and then finally, perhaps I should also add that uh, there have been many very credible mechanisms that have been proposed relating to the effects of paracetamol uh, reducing glutathione uh, 
lungs, and they're really reducing the ability of the lung to defend itself against oxidant damage. And this has been proposed that this may cause an inflammatory process within the airways of the lungs, but also may alter the immune response into a more allergic sort of pattern. And so each of these studies in their own right just provides a little piece of evidence, but when taken together, it does give a sort of a consistent or coherent um, message that certainly this is a, an important hypothesis that needs to be tested further, and is really on the basis of that evidence that we, uh, we, under, we undertook this study. Can you just briefly summarise some methodology here, because one is struck immediately by how impressive it is pulling together so much data from so many different parts of the world. Do you want to just quickly summarise the methodology? A study that involved the standardised administration of questionnaires that looked at symptoms of asthma and the allergic disorders and got data on environmental exposures. And for this part of the survey, there were just over 70 centres in just over 30 countries involving about 200,000 children. And we just focused on the six to seven-year-old children and this has been coordinated by Professor Innes Asher in Auckland, who sort of head the, heads the Isaac program. What we calculated was the relative risk of the symptoms of asthma associated with paracetamol use in the first year of life, and also the paracetamol use in the 12 months around the time of the six to seven-year-old children were, were surveyed. And we adjusted the risk for sex and region of the world and language and gross national income, but also we undertook multivariate analyses to see if there was confounding by other factors that might either influence the prescription of paracetamol or might work through similar effects in terms of increasing the asthma risk. There was really the basic epidemiological approach we followed. So the multivariate analyses were really the primary results that we reported. And we had very stringent um, quality control measures that were in place. There were actually a number of high-profile centres who were excluded from the final analyses because they couldn't actually meet the quality control that was required. Thank you. And in terms of the results, some solid results here because of the number of children involved. Do you want to just quickly summarise them and just clarify the risk ratios that are in the results section here? The primary analysis found that paracetamol use for fever in the first year of life was associated with a 50% increased risk of asthma symptoms. And this was observed worldwide in all major regions of the world with different medical practices and availability of paracetamol, but perhaps more importantly, different frequency and nature of childhood febrile illnesses. The association also held up for severe asthma symptoms because in some respects we weren't worried about an association with some trivial wheeze that might occur occasionally, but we were worried about the association with, with repeat asthma attacks. So we were confident that the association also existed for what we would call clinically significant asthma. Um, we also found a, a dose-response relationship with current paracetamol use and asthma, and also for rhinoconjunctivitis, hay fever, and for eczema. And at what stage does that risk manifest itself? You were just explaining about paracetamol use in the first year of life. At what point in later child development does the increased risk of asthma occur? We were following the children at six to seven years of age. So this is paracetamol use in the first year of life and how that influenced the risk of having asthma symptoms or clinical asthma at the age of six to seven. Any other results that are worth commenting on? Obviously, we want people to go and look at the main study as well as listening to this podcast. Very similar results for rhinoconjunctivitis and eczema, suggesting that it wasn't organ-specific to the lung, but if it was a causal relationship that the mechanism was applying in other organs as well. Perhaps from a public health perspective, the population attributable risk was between about 20 to 40%. So that's a very crude estimate, but it gave it a suggestion that if these findings were causal, 
that there was a public health relevance in terms of the causation of asthma. Thank you. You just touched on <laughs> that crucial uh, element of these discussions, causality. Um, are we talking now about association or causality, do you think, based on these results? Yes, well, certainly for this study, we, we have to be very clear that causality cannot be determined because it was a cross-sectional survey. To really determine causality, we will need a randomised controlled trial. There are a number of biases inherent in a study of this kind that really limits us in terms of concluding that there was a, an association and a fairly strong association with a dose-response relationship for causality uh, we really need to move now to randomised controlled trials. But what happens in terms of interpreting these results and in terms of clinical practice? It's fair to say, isn't it, that it's not as clear-cut and as simple as it might look at the outset to say that there's a strong association between paracetamol use and asthma, so therefore paracetamol should be contraindicated. That's not what we're saying, is it? No, not at all. And in fact, we, we really concluded from our study that we cannot modify the recommendations that are currently in place in terms of the use of paracetamol, but we've also identified that we're seriously lacking the evidence on which to make sound clinical recommendations. And it's, it's somewhat disturbing that despite the fact that paracetamol is the most commonly used drug in childhood, that we just don't have the clinical trials on which to base firm, have firm evidence in terms of the risks and the safety of, of this approach. The findings do not alter the current recommendations that are in place for the use of paracetamol in childhood. Paracetamol remains the preferred drug to relieve pain and fever in childhood. But I think it's also fair to say that the findings do lend support to the WHO recommendations that paracetamol is not routinely used for fever, but it is limited for high fever, and they quote a value of 38.5. So I think the message from this is clear that the current recommendations remain that paracetamol is the preferred drug and we should not be switching to other drugs to relieve fever in childhood. But it may be that we reduce the amount of paracetamol that's used to be more consistent to, with guidelines. There certainly is evidence from our study that there's very heavy use of paracetamol in some communities that may be far beyond what is currently recommended. I think we also need to remember the reason why paracetamol is a preferred drug. That is because it's otherwise very safe and that there are serious risks with aspirin, particularly in infancy, that it may cause a disease called Ray's syndrome, which is a rare but very serious complication of aspirin use. Uh, so uh, we would certainly not want people changing from paracetamol use on the basis of these findings. Uh, and we support the recommendations that paracetamol is continued to be used, um, but perhaps not used excessively as it is in some communities. And I think the other very important point that we'd like to make is that paracetamol remains the preferred treatment for pain and fever in people with asthma. And that's both children and adults with asthma. And there are very significant risks that when an asthmatic takes aspirin or a similar drug, which we call non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, or NSAIDs, and they're drugs such as naproxen or ibuprofen, that this group of drugs of NSAIDs and aspirin can provoke severe attacks of asthma in some individuals. It is very clear that, um, once again, that paracetamol remains the preferred pain relief medication and to relieve fever in asthmatics. And we would be very concerned if people with asthma switched from paracetamol on the basis of these or other findings.
That's a very clear message. Professor Beasley on the line from Wellington in New Zealand. Thanks very much indeed for talking to The Lancet. Thank you very much. Professor Richard Beasley concluding this week's podcast. Much more next week. Thanks for listening.